0: Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless, or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find Hope in the Heart of Family Life with us. Welcome friends to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. Today, I am joined with my new friend, um, Katie Westenberg. Katie is an author. Um, she has many hats actually that I've learned (laughs) about her, Uh, but she is author of uh, a couple books, but her most recent book, um, is called, but then she remembered and just talking about really addressing the topic that I wanted to get into today. And that is the topic of distraction. So Katie, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you.
0: So we are going to talk about, well, I find it um, very fitting at the beginning of the season. We opened season two with this idea of intentionality and how being intentional with family members is so important. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just our, our number one ministry is to our family. And so when I came across your bio in this book talking about distraction um I was like, "Oh, yes, we definitely need to have Katie on the show because you know, we definitely live in a distracted society and true confession, I feel like I'm going to get a little bit of a spiritual spanking in this <laughs> conversation." So, well, you're talking to the choir here, but before we get into that, um I would just want to learn more about you and your background and you know, your family and how you became an author and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I live out in Washington State, so a long way from you. And um, I really, I was born and raised here. I live like 20 minutes from the hospital that I was born in. So far and wide. I I left for college, but I ended up back here. And and that wasn't when I was young. That wasn't my goal. I thought I'd live on a different coastline or something like that. And it's amazing to see how God's plans are better than yours throughout your life. And I was very business oriented, wanted to get my degree and and go chase all the things. And I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, coming back here and having fortune children. So um, I, God's, can't, God's plans, again, were much greater than my own. So that has really been my focus for much of the last years. I was raised in the church. And um, so I'm thankful for that solid foundation. And he really, over those years, gave me a heart for home. Like, you know, all, mm-hmm. all of those dreams and plans can be ref- uh, um, fulfilled in different ways. And so Um, I ended up homeschooling my children, which I wasn't homeschooled, so that was a new adventure for me, but now my kids are, my oldest one just graduated this year, and so I went there 18, 13, oh, I skipped one, 18, 15, 13, (laughs) 11, and yep. pretty much of those independent years at life. So um, God had given me capacity over the last like five or six years to write more and speak some. And so that is where that's coming. And he's just really opened up doors of opportunity for me to be able to do that while I'm still serving at home. So it's kind of fun to see some of those other dreams um, come to life in these years as well. And, and what I write really just comes out of my study. More than anything, I'm a student who loves to learn. And, um, and so I just keep on studying his word and, and he gives me ideas and thoughts and things that I process and and have been able to share those with others. So it's a pretty sweet opportunity.
0: Yeah. So that's awesome. So this word distracted that we're going to talk about, I wanted to read um, a quote that I think um, actually you may have shared with me. Um, It's actually a statistic. It's not a quote, Uh, but I learned that 40% or 47% of 1000 Americans feel addicted to their phones. And I kind of feel like this idea of distraction that the our phones have a lot to do with maybe why society today feels, you know, maybe more distracted than ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about half, right? So about yeah. half of us are willing to admit that I'm kind of addicted to this phone. And and so we know that But sometimes I I feel like we get really apathetic about it. We don't really know what to do about it. It feels uncomfortable, but it also feels like a really good tool. It feels like necessity for some of the ways we relate and communicate now. And so I I think we're really apt to just throw our hands up in the air and think, I don't know what to do with it. It it doesn't necessarily feel right. Maybe this pull toward it or um, the time and capacity it has in my life, or maybe is what this is what I recognize as I'm growing these teenagers, okay, I don't always navigate Navigate this well. How am mm-hmm. I going to help this next generation navigate it well? And it's not one of those things I can say. Well, my parents did it that way because I didn't even have a phone till I went to college, right? So yeah. this is a whole new world, a whole new frontier of learning to navigate something that feels like it's to a certain extent a stronghold in our life, but something that has provided great opportunity. And we just don't really know how to manage it, so we're feel a little bit stuck in that area.
0: Yeah, there's not really a lot of. I, I remember a couple of years ago we did a whole seminar on like teens in technology, but it was called the parental dilemma. And it was that very, it was addressing that very topic of parents really haven't had to navigate this whole just information being at our fingertips all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, seeing that, you know, especially our kids use it as a social outlet, like that kind of thing, how to find balance in, you know, not sheltering our, you know, ourselves or our kids from, Mm -hmm. Technology, but also not letting it just consume and overtake us. And that is like such a hard balance. You had said that, you know, a lot of the topics for your books, which, you know, distraction is one of the is basically what we're addressing or what you're addressing in your book, um, come out of your study. So in studying the scriptures and stuff, where how did that land you with distraction?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's just always when we have that. That tension, that quandary in our spirit about something, that's the best place to go. Okay, what does right. the word say about? And I don't see cell phones in the Bible, but is there some way that like if we would get to the heart of this matter, we can we can figure out what how is how has God addressed this in the past? It's my favorite place to go. So, like when we look back at the Israelites, we can start to ask the question. Did they ever struggle with distraction, right? Did they ever get lost along the way? Were they ever wandering in the desert for 40 years, right? Did they ever lose sight of what God called them to do? And then I really noticed throughout scripture, God calls his people to remembrance over and over again and remembrance is information that they knew but got distracted and forgot right so we're not mm. talking about the knowledge they knew who god was they saw him perform wonders and miracles they saw him split the red sea to make way for them and then their heart was prone to asking just just a few miles later you know he left us out here he forgot so their distraction looked different the tools look different but i i think oftentimes that distraction is more a, a symptom than a problem itself. Right. Mm, so it's mm-hmm. that's something that we need to pay attention to. If I'm drawn to this phone, why is that? What, what is it that my heart's chasing after in this moment? When I, you know, we do good work on the phone, there's that, but there's also these times where I just want to escape what I'm doing. I just, I right. just want to check out. I just don't want to do the work that's in front of me. Like what is behind that draw to the phone? So that's really the question where we get to remembering what God wants us to do. Can I get beyond the distraction and think what, what am I going to other than what I should be doing?
0: yeah because honestly, I wouldn't think of like the, you know, the uh, cure is probably not the right word, but the remedy for distraction is remembering. Like that's not a natural jump for me. So that is such an interesting um dynamic that you point out there. So, um, in terms of, you know, distraction, and, and it and it can be with something other than our phone I'm assuming it's just, phone is just the easy one to pick out I think um you know that that can come I mean that can take a toll on on your family and so what do you feel like is the real cost well I guess I should ask this in two parts what would you define as the distracted life and then you know what is the real cost of living a distracted life
1: mm-hmm. So the distracted life is one that keeps us on the surface of things, right? Keeps us busy in the moment. That that is the thing with social media. It's a it's a very much a momentary focused, um, entertainment, right? It's mm-hmm. something that keeps us, and and then it, it the way it's designed with its algorithms and its continual refreshing that there's there's always more. So then we don't take that moment to pause and think but what do I really want to be concerned about here? What do I really need to focus on in this moment? Do I need more news? I mean, our access just to news, just to information going around the world is so different than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, right?
0: Yeah. And and Mm -hmm. with that
1: access to information, is this making me a healthier person, a more knowledgeable person, a more compassionate person? Sometimes there's, there's access to more information than we can really healthily deal with. Right. Yeah, and yeah. We bring all of that information that we've just ingested into our homes, into our families, into our children. And I'm irritated and I'm concerned about, you know, um, artificial intelligence and what's going on in Russia and China. And not that those aren't concerns to be addressed. Not that those aren't, that those aren't things we should think about. Right. 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 When I'm carrying literally the weight of the world in my mind and 20 minutes that I'm online or on the news or 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 just like um over-entertaining myself on Netflix, like you said, it's not just you know social media, it's not that by mm-hmm. like any. When I'm filling with other things, then am I able to be, when you talk about intentionality, am I able to be intentional and give my full heart and my full empathy and compassion to the people right in front of me, right? If yes. I'm missing them because I'm carrying the weight of the world, then obviously all this information is not doing my heart and my family well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can remember back when, um, you know, when everybody was, when the world shut down and was quarantined and, you know, just having tons of hours to watch. TV and the news and all that kind of stuff. And for me in that moment, I'm not saying like everybody had to do this, but for me in the moment, I realized I was consuming so much of, you know, the news about what was going on and what was happening and, you know, just all, all of the things that, I mean, it was just causing a lot of fear to rise up in me. And that fear was then like trickling over into, my kids or to my husband and for me in that moment that was when i realized i was like okay this is not this is not good for me right now it's not to say that other people couldn't do it and be fine but i love what you're saying is that recognizing when too much is too much could you talk a little bit like how do you find the balance or, or how do you know when you're like okay i'm distracted or I'm using whatever outlet fill in the blank um, as a tool. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really tricky question to address because I think the difference between doing purposeful work, right. And Mm -hmm. and by purposeful work, I might even mean sometimes purposeful entertainment, right? Like there are times for rest. There are Mm -hmm. times where I'm online and I want to learn about a recipe. So is that, you know, is that really purposeful work in this time? It's not not a recipe I'm gonna make right now, but that's healthy learning, right? There's a the difference between using it in a healthy way and using it in an unhealthy way is like millimeters now, right? Because mm. notifications pop up on my phone and the next thing I'm looking at this and then oh, I see this, and now I'm looking at someone else's house colors that they're painting, which I don't even really care about because it's someone I went <laughs> to high school with. I haven't seen for 25 years, you know what I mean? Like the yes. distance between from what I'm doing good work to not is just shorter than ever, mm-hmm. right? So so it really is being keenly aware. It's, it's having a greater purpose to what I'm doing in the world, right? So that's the first step. They did this study, um, Forbes magazine did it. And they were talking about um, when they, well, actually they did it with the University of Kentucky and they they were um, having students take a social media break, like completely get rid of it and and see how that works. And they found that oftentimes they just averted their attention to something else. Right? Mm -hmm. They just, okay, well, now I binge Netflix with that time. So we don't naturally fill the void with something that's healthy. And so the conclusion of that study was being purposeful about what you want to spend your time on rather than focusing so much on the distractions, the weeds I need to pull. What do I want to be filling my life with? What should Mm. I be doing instead of that? And I think as a believer, that's a really easy thing to do, right? Okay. So my days, if I know my days on earth are numbered, right? And, um, I want the Lord to teach me to number my days that I might be wise in the things that I do. So I need to think how much does social media play into that? How much does time on my phone play into that? So that's the first thing is acknowledging that I want to spend my days well. I don't want, I don't want to get a, a usage report on my phone that says I spent four and a half hours this week. Doing nothing on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is to have an idea of how we want to spend our days to glorify God. And then it's inviting the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? This is his job that, that he convicts us of all things. He teaches us all things and reminds us of the things that Jesus taught to us. Says that right in John 14, right? So yeah. I'm going to give you my reminder. So I'm going to mess this up because that distance is so short. So all of a sudden, but, but when I am looking at someone else's house paint colors and I know this isn't how I want to spend my days, Lord, will you remind me? Like, will you in that moment, and then will I be obedient to conviction? Because yeah. you know, you're seeking righteousness. He's going to help us in that. So am I going to be obedient? And sometimes that might be like physical acts of I'm putting my phone away in the cupboard. I don't need it right now. I've right. noticed I don't need my phone on Sundays. My family's all at church. And everyone that knows me knows I'm probably there. So I've just started leaving it at home. I can leave the house without a phone. And it doesn't seem like we're really capable of doing that anymore. Yeah. But <laughs> so when we just make a hard and fast rule, I don't need it here. And then the rest of the time, trusting the Holy Spirit to lead us because those things do change in seasons. Like you said, with COVID, I think a lot of us were there because we had no idea what in the world was going on. So I wanted all the information. Like, can someone please tell me? And then all of a sudden I'm being consumed by it. So so it's not like just a a one and done deal. Seasons change, times change, times of our lives change. You know, so we we need to be aware and always trusting the Holy Spirit to be our barometer there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, did this topic, how did this play out like in your own life? Like what caused you to kind of you know, I guess, gear towards this idea of distraction. Like there's usually, especially if you write a book about it, there's usually yeah. like yeah. a personal story behind it. So yeah. what- the,
1: per- the personal story is not that I mastered it and I want to tell everyone else how to master <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that's not it, unfortunately, but really it is just growing these teenage kids. Okay, mm. so they, they are getting to the ages where you can stave off all of it for quite a while. But now I said they're 18, 15, 13. I have mostly teenagers in this house. And I want to seek to teach them to do those things well. And that always begins with me learning how to do that well, mm. right? So so reasoning that out. And and I think it's difficult because it's not like we've said, it's not a cut and dry issue. If I didn't have the benefits of technology, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, right? So I can't deny that these are really good tools that can be used in a lot of good ways. There's that tendency just to like, let's throw it all out and I'm going to get a dumb phone and we're not going to have the internet. Well, that's great. But I think these are creative tools that can definitely be used for God's glory. So while I'm trying to work this out in fear and trembling, right, while Mm -hmm. I'm trying to live that and use these tools well, my kids are seeing me do that. They're seeing that. Yeah. Sometimes mom needs to put things away too. Sometimes mom needs to back down and that's how I'm going to teach them. Right. So that's really where this work came from is learning to, to lead even as I'm learning.
0: Yeah. Yeah and that's I mean that's the most powerful way for them to learn for sure. Yeah. yeah. So um you know I do want to get into some of these principles and things that you know you talk about and what you have found has what the Lord has shown you um is helpful in terms of like living life in the face of distractions all around us. But you know I mean I know you being a student of the word that it the the foundations for these practical things always have like its roots in scripture. Like being distracted is not a new um idea or principle. And um you talk about, you know, Paul's instruction in dealing with or how to live, you know, amidst all these distractions. And so what um what did you learn there? What is the most applicable for that you feel like in terms of family life?
1: Yeah. So, so just the call to remembrance was just, just eye opening for me because for a couple of reasons, God knows our frame. Right. So when I feel like it's so easy to feel shame over this, particularly when you get that screen time report on your phone and it's yes. like, I, I, I hate that. Sundays. Yes. Yeah. I played this game with myself one time where I was like, you know, I'm not going to use my phone. I'm just going to use our iPad. So it doesn't count toward my screen time. Like, like that's really <laughs> achieving nothing. Right. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but that is convicting to see that. And then we play this shame game where we try to go around the loop to get something done. Like that's not, God's not up there keeping score of our minutes. Right. He right. The <laughs> cat he knows we're made from dust. He knows our propensity to be distracted and all of this. And so that's why we see throughout scripture, not only the themes of remembrance, but God using the tools of remembrance as he tells about scripture, right? So we see, like in Acts, we see Paul's conversion three times, the same story repeated three times. We mm-hmm. have the gospel where the stories are repeated again and again. And then the integration of the entire Old Testament into the new, right? The stories of the works God performed again and again because he wanted us to know them and remember who he is again and again. And even said that, right? And Deuteronomy and Numbers, like, I want you to tell these things to your children and your children's children so that when they ask, they can remember what God did. So so we aren't without help here. We aren't without him knowing, look, I know you're going to get distracted. I know you're going to forget your purpose here. And I want to remind you of that. So Paul does a great job of that in Philippians. Philippians 3, he starts out with saying, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, to write these same things to you is no trouble for me and safe for you. I love that. It's just one, one mm-hmm. example of his repetition. I'm going to be repetitive about this because this is for your safety because I know you forget, so I'm going to say it again. And I mean, it reminds me of like when our children are small and they want the same book read again and again, that little board book. You know, will you read it mm-hmm. again? Will you read it again? Because monotony, we're not above that. We're not above right. it. You need to remember. Yeah. So Paul's a, Paul's great at reminding us again and again yeah, and so just
0: so I can make sure that I'm understanding. So when when you're talking about remembering, is it just remembering the character of God or his works or all of it? What specifically are we called to remember?
1: It, it's all of it, right? It is the character and nature of God. It is our calling, like like what we are because of who He is, right. Mm-hmm. And so this helped me particularly in those moments, where everything feels like it's going to explode when like anxiety and fear want to come in as a mom, when you talk about like COVID and big things that happen in the world where we don't even know what's going to happen. This Mm -hmm. is when I read the news and I think about artificial intelligence and I think this is super creepy, right? I don't even know all kinds of things. we don't know, right? What like, I don't even really know how to handle or manage this. I don't have a metric for that. And then that's when I remember, okay, wait a minute, do I know who God is? Do Mm -hmm. I know how he loves his people? Mm -hmm. Do I know what he's done in the past? And I need to bring that, my faith in him to bear by remembering what he has done and who he is. And if I believe he's unchanging, then I know I don't have to know every answer to what's going to happen with artificial intelligence, or at that time, what was going to happen with COVID. But I do know that God's going to be faithful. So my faith isn't in my own knowledge. It's in who God is. And if I can't remember that, then I'm going to feel incredibly desperate in that moment, right? Yeah. That's really remembering who he is and then and then what he's called us to do in this world, right? My, uh, my job here is to know God and to make him known. So mm-hmm. am I really doing that when I'm whiling a half hour away, scrolling through things online? Probably not. So I want to keep captive as many of those moments as I can to be fruitful with my time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you had mentioned earlier, just like some, some keys or principles, um, and how your study of this topic has, I would imagine affected, you know, um, raising your teenagers and kind of how you avoid distractions, um, in your everyday life. So what does that look like? I know you talk about it in the book some, so I would love for you to share some of that. Yeah. Share your wisdom with uh, us.
1: <laughs> I can share what I'm learning, okay? Yes. <laughs> so, so it's fun to do. We, we explored some scientific studies in the book and the publisher let me do that, which I was really thankful for. And they, they've learned, there's a couple of ways we learn. So we learn through an encoding phase where we take information into our brain, right? And then we learn by getting the information out as well. Okay. So, so a lot of times we focus on getting the information in. This is like when we were in high school and when we crammed for a test, right? We're Mm -hmm. just like get the information in, get the information in. But when we are retelling the information, when we're getting it out, that's also solidifying the memory and brain, right? Mm -hmm. So some of that, just if I want to remember things, then I'm going to repeat it. This is, this is the reason. So often you read a book or maybe read an article and you're like, that was so good. that was so good. Or even the Bible, you just read that chapter. That was amazing. And then that afternoon you're like, what? what did I read? You know, I I don't even really remember what it is. So way we establish those connections that healthy remembering to solidify that truth is just to retell it, you know? So if I'm reading a chapter then I'm going to tell a friend Then I'm going to tell my kids that morning, like, Hey, I read the most awesome thing, or even just the things that have happened in our life. You know, the good stories, when we see God's faithfulness, we retell them again. And again, this is where in scripture, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say, so let's say it, let's be the ones who tell it. So that's just a simple trick to um, remembering God's faithfulness, to remembering what we read, to using that science, that brain science to work for us. Okay, Mm -hmm. The same thing happens when um, when I get on my phone because we are so prone to distraction sometimes. and, And the difficult thing with phones is that it's so isolating. So I can be on my phone and my kids don't know if I'm paying a bill or looking at a recipe for dinner or looking at someone else's cute new outfits, right? Like they they don't. We tend to just speak it out. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to get this recipe really quick. And that not only tells my kids what I'm doing, but it holds me accountable to it because I'm just going to say the word. This is what I'm doing. I'm reminding myself that this is what I'm on here for. I'm going to try my best not to get distracted. So that's one one simple little tip is just to speak it out to help us stay on track there. Because that's that's really good (laughs) because I do find
0: myself saying, Okay, I'm going to get on here real quick and look up like something for my kids' school. Mm-hmm. And then, like 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, that's on like the good side. I'm like, oh, Facebook insert. Like I've landed someplace completely different than where yeah. I meant to be. And yeah. I never really thought about like saying specifically, because I'll tell my kids, hold on one sec. But you're right. Like all they see is us on their phone. And it's just like, oh, your phone is more important than you know, what, what I need you for, whatever, but yeah. to speak it out specifically what you're on there for, that's a really good way of, um, you know, kind of guarding yourself against that.
1: Yeah. So. And they'll keep you accountable once you say it, right. It's built in accountability. Yeah. yeah.
0: hmm So
1: what, what else, what are some other
0: things? Because I, I need all of the things in this area.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we talk about like the fear and anxiety piece of that. Um, one, one helpful tip for me has just been scripture memorization. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that has mostly been relegated to childhood childhood. We think about that in Sunday school, we have kids memorize verses, but as we get older, we just stop that habit. So not only is that good for our brains, right? If if we follow Paul's words that reminding us of these things is for our safety, as much of God's word as I can hide in my heart, you know, I, I can take the Lord at his word and say, that's not going to return void. So I have a 13 year old daughter and she's worked on a fair amount of scripture memorization. And she said, you know, what's funny now I've noticed the other day, mom, that I can think of a verse sometimes just randomly. Something reminds me of it. I can't remember where it's found. I can't remember it word for word. And I was like, that's God's word doing its work in you. I don't care if you remember where it's found. That's not the goal, but like the It will come back, right, through it, throughout all of our life when we tuck that stuff away. And then we look at the lives of great missionaries like like Corey Ten Boom in a concentration camp, right? When the word is stolen from us physically, it's what we have remembered that comes to bear in that time. So it's not only making a deposit, and making our brains work well in the moment, but I'm making a deposit for future times when I don't know if I'm in a hospital bed and I don't have my Bible with me. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm making deposits today, not only to do my brain and body good in this moment, but in the future as well.
0: Yeah. I think about, um, there was a pastor. Um, he's one of my favorites, Ben Stewart. I think he's out in DC now, but he always used to say this phrase. This was like years ago when I was a, um, a youth counselor. It was what you think about is what you will care about and what you care about, you will chase. Mm-hmm. And so just that idea of flooding your mind with God's word and his character and who he is, like it starts that cycle. Cause like, just as you described with your daughter, like that's, what's coming back to her in situations because she's meditated
1: mm-hmm. on
0: it. So Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and that's hard. It's really yeah. tricky. <laughs> with an older brain. Right. I just think I used to think I am just terrible at this. I'm terrible at it. I could, I could read this verse 25 times and I still don't have it. And I would get frustrated with myself. And then I was reading Psalms one, which you just said in, in Psalms one, he tells us he meditated on God's law day and night. And I thought, you know, what? The terror the worse I am at memorizing the scripture, the more I'm meditating on it, right? Because I got to yeah. say it again and again and I'm just gonna keep it in front of me. So I think even if you think you're terrible at memorizing, you're still winning. We're still doing the work of putting it in there. And I'm gonna trust the Lord to build fruit there, whether it's really showy and I know it word for word or not, right? I- I'm doing the good work and I'm gonna trust him to grow that seed.
0: Yeah. Um now, having had the season where you, you know, you're writing this book and I'm sure you were just like deep in studying this topic could, what, how do you feel like it most impacted your family life? Like with every, all the wisdom and just the things that God was showing you practically, like, how did you see that play out in your family?
1: Mm -hmm. That's funny, right? Because family life, Is is the grittiest form of putting all these things into action. Yes, so it's not like my kids are like, "Wow, you wrote a book on this. Teach us all the things, mom." Right? (laughs) Right? This is like this is mom, and and this is the real challenge of living all of these things out. But I think it does make me more aware of. God's good design. Right. Mm-hmm. And and reading some of the science behind it just makes me laugh because I think, of course, that worked that way because God's word said it would. The scientists don't always p- proclaim that or declare that. But when we know that God designed our bodies and our brains to work this way, of course, that would be true. Right. Of course, these synapses would want to connect and a source. Yeah. Our brains are plastic. They're finding all those things that they can still grow over time. Like, of course they would, because this is the way we were made. So, so I can't, um, I can't learn those things without them coming to bear in my home. Right. Yeah. Just encouraging my kids as we're learning. Yeah. And then let's tell the story about it but let's tell it over and over again, okay? And then reminding them gently, not not putting as many stiff rules around, okay, this is your time. And and there's a time and a place for that, right? When our kids are really young, that's how it works. We are the parent, we do the discipline. this, This is a pass and fail type of situation. When they become more towards adults, then we need to process this together because really I want you to own this. I don't want you to leave my home with this like super strict set of rules that you are just going to run from when you leave. So let's process this together. Let's get to the heart behind the issue rather than just the issue itself. Right. So I I wouldn't say that the rules become less black and white, but there's a lot more conversation involved so they know why they exist so they can make those choices for themselves when they leave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I guess the two things that I want to, I want to end with. So the. In terms of encouraging like our listeners, you know, for for the parent that maybe feels like they are distracted, they're in such a place of distraction that they just don't, they don't know where to start. They don't know how to get out of that or or change. What would be your encouragement to that listener if they are sitting there feeling kind of like, ooh, yeah, I am yeah. living this distracted life. Like, where do you start?
1: Yeah. So one thing I love is the word remembering in the Bible, it's recall for an action, right? It's it's mm. like the word of God planted in our heart. And so I want to remember that, not just so I can sit there with a happy memory, but so it changes the way I act in the future because I recall that God is faithful. That's going to change how I act in this moment, right? Yeah. And so the same thing is true for us when we're trying to put these things back into practice. And I think the most successful way to do it is just the tiniest consistent change you can make. So cracking your book Bible open each day is is a real chore for you. Consistency in the word is a real chore for you. I'm not going to say like sit down and try to read the Bible in a year. That's a good goal, right? Like what right. if you just meditate on one verse? One verse. And you just said, okay, this is it. I'm just going to work on this. And if it takes me two weeks or two days, I'm just going to try to memorize this one verse. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm going to meditate on it throughout the day. I'm going to proclaim God's truth. I'm going to ask him to help me. Just ask that prayer. I think as a father's heart, like what kind of prayer is that to receive when you have a child saying, I want to do better here. Can you help me? And we know that's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. And that's a prayer he's going to answer. So we're just going to be faithful one baby step at a time.
0: Yeah. And I think that is the, the downfall is that we take a subject like this and then we go 180 degrees the other way, trying to do all the things and make all the fixes. And then when we fail at it, we just, we give up and, you know, maybe feel some shame after it. And that's not like, that's not God's heart towards it at all. This is totally, you know, like a freedom opportunity, not, um, you know, something that's supposed to cause more shame and condemnation. That's just not his voice at all. So, um, so kind of on the same line. So we're talking about like encouraging our listeners, but is there, do you have any challenges for them in terms of this area of distraction?
1: Mm-hmm. I think, and this isn't one I usually use, but I think since we've been talking about memory work right now, I, I think I would challenge them to start memorizing God's word whether it's mm. one tiny verse at a time. The Psalms are a great place to start. John 14, I love that chapter. And um, my family has worked through First Corinthians 13, the love chapter around Valentine's Day. That's kind of a fun way to do it. Like there's a there's hundred correct ways to memorize scripture, right? And mm-hmm. maybe a couple wrong ones too. <laughs> Mostly, there's a lot of ways to do it, whether you're, whether you're uh, memorizing like the first letter of every word, there's some people get those little temporary tattoos and put them on their hand. Some people are writing out scripture. They just write it over and over every day. Okay. And any way that keeps you in the word and works for your brain, then, then just get serious about it. Could, could I be tucking that word away in my heart? If you haven't done it since you were like 10 years old, it's going to, your brain's going to be dusty. It's not used to memorizing those things, but you know, I, I feel like, most of our husbands can memorize football scores, and right? Like, that, right? <laughs> and like All the, all the songs to the little kids programs that your kids watch, right? You probably have those memorized too. So our brains really are made to do this. And if we, mm-hmm. we force them into action a little bit, we can be storing some God's, some God's word in our heart as well.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So I know you have um, a ton more you know, wisdom and information in this uh, about this topic in your book. Uh, So if somebody wanted to get a copy of your book, um, but then she remembered where, how could they connect with you? Where can we find you? All that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's available on Amazon and at Christian book, um, Barnes and Noble. I think most, most of the places where you can find books, it's there. And you can find more from me on my website at katiewestenberg.com. And then I'm occasionally on Instagram under the same name.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for being here with us today. It's been a very, um, I don't want to say convicting because it was like super fun, yeah. but just a really good conversation just about distraction and how to live um, in the face of all of that and still just remember who God is and, and his faithfulness and what he's called you know us to. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey friends,
0: we hope that you are loving the podcast because we absolutely love helping to equip and empower you and your family to thrive with practical tools based on Christ centered principles. In fact, we love it so much that over 17 years ago, No Heart Left Behind became an official 501c3 nonprofit organization so we could make supporting families with the word of God and the love of Christ our full time mission. Locally, we offer affordable biblical counseling as well as various family-focused events and programs like this podcast. And we have been able to do this solely through supporter donations. So if you would like to support the podcast or the mission of No Heart Left Behind, you can donate by visiting our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com backslash donate, or click the donate link provided in the show notes. 100% of the proceeds go to ministry outreach and operations, which includes keeping this podcast coming to you on a weekly basis. Any support is a blessing, so thank you in advance for partnering with us to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ.